grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for our meditation this evening is not part of our regular gospel lesson, but rather the opening words of the Lord's Prayer in your Bible. It's Matthew chapter 6, the second part of verse 9. Familiar four-word phrase, Our Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. What is prayer? What exactly are we doing when we pray? Is, is prayer a, a wish? Is it a conversation? Is it a kind of a shopping list to God? There are uh, probably people who take it as any one of those things. It's not really any of those things at all. A prayer is a Christian's way of talking, communicating to God. And please notice the word to. Prayer is the Christian talking to God. It is really something that falls under the doctrine of the second commandment, where God commands us to use his name properly to pray, praise, and give thanks. And in prayer, as I said, we talk to God. If later this evening or tomorrow or a year from now, you don't remember anything from this sermon except one sentence, please remember this sentence. In prayer, we talk to God. This is not where God talks to us. Prayer is not a Christian's conversation with God. In prayer, we talk to God. If I'm praying about uh, my sins and I'm asking God for forgiveness, I might remember uh, God's holy word where he says, for example, your sins are forgiven, or something like, uh, neither do I condemn you. But that's me remember, remembering what he says in his word. God speaks to us in scripture, in his word. We speak to God in prayer. But God invites us, even commands us, to pray, but I'd like to invite you to think of prayer really as God asking you, inviting you to talk to him. This is what God wants for all of his children. He wants all who believe in him to pray. And he tells us that he certainly will listen and he certainly will answer us. He hears us always or else he would not ask us to pray to him. In Isaiah 59, the prophet begins the chapter by saying, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. And then Isaiah goes on to say, But your iniquities have separated you from God so that he will not hear. This passage and others like it, there are a couple in the Bible, there are two or three, I think, in Jeremiah and in some other places in Scripture. They tell us that God does not hear the prayers of unbelievers because by rejecting Jesus a person has rejected the forgiveness of sins and without forgiveness we cannot approach the throne of God not physically and not even through prayer not even through the communication of prayer but since you and I are forgiven we can approach the throne of God because we put our trust in Christ 
and what he has done for us, we're able to approach God's throne as if you and I were the Son of God himself. We're not the Son of God, but God's Son, Jesus, has given us his, his status uh, as the Holy One of God. As Paul says in Galatians 3, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And this fact brings us to our short little text, the opening words of the Lord's Prayer, the part that in the Catechism, Luther calls the address, the dear sir of the Lord's Prayer, if you will, our Father in heaven. Now, in Greek, this is a number of words. In our English translation that we use today, it's just four little words. And I want to talk about each of the four words. Beginning with the word our. This pronoun, this way of beginning the Lord's Prayer is vitally important to us because it, it places us immediately into the family of all Christians, all who believe in Jesus, who was crucified for our sins. And this is not only the present family of believers, but the whole family of believers going all the way back to Adam and Eve who got the first promise, Abraham and, and, and Isaac and Jacob and all those who knew about the coming Savior. Certainly the apostles and the disciples and all the Christians, including your grandmas and grandpas and mine and all who have come before. When we begin to pray our Father, we're not just talking about those around us who know about Jesus. If, in fact, if you were the last living Christian on earth, right before Jesus were to come again, you could still pray our Father with complete confidence because you are connected to all believers of all time. You share in that family of God. You would be perfectly correct to pray our Father and be comforted. Now that brings us to the second word, which is the word Father. Father brings us right into God's lap. Maybe there are, are, are some who, who, who don't have any connection, any memory to their Father. Not, not, nothing at all in their mind. Maybe there are some who don't have any connection to a kind or loving father. And if that's the case, that's a special cross to bear, isn't it? But we all have a loving father. Our heavenly father, the father of Jesus Christ, God the Father. And our father in heaven, uh, if you can imagine a father who is as loving and gracious as you can possibly think of. He surpasses everything we could possibly imagine. Uh, he is not a sinful father like, like, like our sinful fathers and like uh, my four sons have to bear with their sinful father. He is our perfect father. He is strict exactly when and how much he needs to be strict with us. He is, is patient every time we need him to be patient. He is gracious, always. He is compassionate, always. He provides for us, always, with everything that we need. He is forgiving, always. He is loving, 
always. And he invites us to pray to him, to tell him what we desire. Sometimes we classify prayers. I don't know if we have to do this, but we kind of do it uh, as a matter of course into different varieties of prayers. If this helps you, then God be praised. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. But there are really about four categories of prayers that are, that are main categories. There might be sort of subcategories to these. But we begin with a prayer for spiritual blessings. Prayers for forgiveness. Uh, prayers to, for the strength to fight against temptation. Prayers uh, for understanding God's word and the ability to apply the word of God to our lives. Martin Luther says in his large catechism that God always says yes to these prayers. That reminds us that sometimes God may say something else to a prayer, but God always answers prayer. Sometimes he might say no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes the Lord might say later, this is according to my plan. And there may even be times where God says, you're not asking for enough. I need to give you more for the sake of your life or for the sake of my kingdom. A second kind of prayer is where we pray for earthly blessings, like later in the middle of the Lord's Prayer when we get to the line about the daily bread, which we're not covering this evening. But this is where we pray for uh, health or enough income to get by on or to help God's kingdom in some way. Uh, we might pray for rescue when we, get, when we need rescuing or, or directions if we get lost or guidance for our lives. Another kind of prayer is where we might pray uh, on behalf of somebody else. We talk about these as being prayers where we intercede. An intercessory prayer is where we get in between God and somebody else and say, Lord, have mercy on this person. This is where we typically have in, in, in what we have in the prayer of the church, where we pray on behalf of someone who is sick or a family of someone who has died or maybe for friends or family, uh, for the government, or even for our enemies, that God would, would deliver us from their wrath, that God would turn aside from their, aside their wrath, and that God would even convert them to faith in him and make them members of his own kingdom. Finally, we also have prayers where we simply give thanks to God. These are usually like our table prayers, or like most of the Psalms, prayers where we praise God or thank Him for what He's done in our lives. The third word in our address is the little preposition in. It's a very small word. It's a very important word, though, to us as we're, as we're beginning the Lord's Prayer. By saying in, we are saying that we believe in the God of the Bible, that we know that he is in heaven. Not the one they say is in heaven, or the one who seems to be in heaven, or the one we hope is in heaven, but it's a declarative sentence. Our Father in heaven, in the old King James, who art in heaven. Was it there du bist in Himmel? In, in the older version, we used to say, I'm coming to that as well. But when we say the word in, we're confessing our faith in God, the one who is truly in heaven. Now, he's not only in heaven. He transcends heaven, but we're coming to that. But 
an unbeliever or a doubter is first of all not someone who would begin this prayer that way saying God is in heaven and a doubter might might venture to say who I hope is in heaven I I don't know if you're really in heaven but a Christian would never say that and an unbelievers prayer does not get listened to by God but we confess our faith with the word in we know that God is there we don't wonder we don't doubt we pray boldly and without, almost without thinking, our Father in heaven, as, as if to say, who else would we be praying to? But of course, the God who is in heaven. That's exactly how God wants us to think of him. There is no other God except our true triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Often we begin prayers, Father, or as Jesus does, our Father in the prayer. But there would be nothing wrong with saying, as we sometimes do, Lord Jesus or O Lord. Or by saying, as we sometimes do, Holy Spirit, hear us. As long as we're praying to the true God, it doesn't matter if we address one person of the Holy Trinity or another, or if we simply say, Lord God, but we never say they or them, confusing the persons of the Trinity, but simply, uh, uh, allowing he or him, you, O Lord, to be the one we're praying to. And remember that the doctrine of the Holy Trinity really transcends human grammar in all of its forms. We know that the Holy Spirit understands what we're saying, even if we're not quite sure how to say it. But Jesus teaches us to pray, Our Father, in. And then we come to the word heaven. Our Father is in heaven. And right away we remember that he is not uh, boxed in in heaven. He transcends heaven. He fills, in fact, he fills the universe. It's not as if he's imprisoned in heaven, but he is everywhere all at once. But heaven is his throne. And when we say heaven, we also remember that it is his eternal ab ab abode and it is our eternal abode. He has prepared a place there for us, and we will fill that place, all the body of believers, as he fills it, all by himself, even now. He has promised to bring us there, and when the res resurrection takes place, he certainly shall. So you see that, really, all Christian doctrine is lying here under these words, our Father in heaven. They cannot be prayed by someone who doesn't believe them, and it reinforces the faith of all of us who do pray them. By praying these words, we also can be comforted by, by everything that Scripture teaches us, especially the forgiveness of our sins. Without that forgiveness, we would never have been invited to pray this way. Our sins, uh, when we think about them, they, 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 they separate us from God and they create a barrier between us and God as if each one of our sins is like a sharpened knife or dagger pointed right back at us. So if we try to approach the throne of God, we will impale ourselves on our own sins. But God has swept all of that away in Christ. None of that is a barrier, he says, you pray I've taken it all away and he brings us as I said with his name the father 
He brings us right there into his lap. We have been covered by all of the words and works of Christ, especially by the cross of Christ, and as Mr. Kushel alluded to earlier, and by the empty tomb from which he rose from the dead, we are God's holy children, forgiven, purified, sanctified in Jesus Christ, invited to pray because we are the forgiven children of God. Here at St. Paul's, our congregation has been together now for more than 150 years and for, for a, a just about half, a little more than that, just a slight majority of the time, we prayed the old German translation, Luther's German translation of the Lord's Prayer, which of course in the, in, in the Bible was originally inspired in the Greek language. Sometime uh, in the 1940s, some of the congregation began to use the King James Version, although the majority still used the German as we had combined services until 1968. And from that time until the 1990s, that King James Version was the one that got used here. But Elizabethan English is not the language we still speak. And, and, and sometimes there are problems using that older form of English because sometimes pieces of it get misunderstood by our young people and old people alike. If you want an example of this, uh, pick up a written copy of the sermon and look at the back page where I have a three or four paragraph footnote about the words art and, uh, and, and thou and so forth in the, in, the, in, in the Lord's Prayer specifically. But since the 1990s, we've been using the, the NIV translation of the Lord's Prayer, the one that, the, 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 the translation I'm preaching from this evening. And you know, we don't want to pray these words mindlessly or not understanding what they mean, which is why, as English changes, our translation will change over the years, although I think we're content with what we have uh, at, at the moment today. But we don't want to pray mindlessly or without thinking, but rather prayerfully and thoughtfully. That's why we study this prayer along with the rest of God's Word. That's why occasionally we preach on portions of the Lord's Prayer or on the whole thing. That's why we also want to pray that it will never become a, thought, a thoughtless act. But perhaps the most thoughtful thing we ever do as Christians to rejoice in the words that Jesus gave us and to pray at his invitation, our Father in heaven, Amen.